Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Morning, thank you for bringing us into your house. Thank you for giving us quiet and rest. Lord, we ask that we would take the busyness and chaos of this week, that you would take that away from us even now, that we would come with our hearts full looking to you. Lord, as we begin this series on rest, I pray that you would help us to find your rest. We scramble along in this life, and we scramble trying to find rest. And I'm convinced, Lord, that there's a way to do it the right way. So I ask, Lord, that you would help us to see the right way, see your way. Our way has been not good. The rat race continues to go faster and faster and faster. and We're busier and busier and busier and more tired and more tired and more tired. Lord, help us to find the rest you have for us in this life. In your name we pray. Amen. Scripture this morning is out of Genesis chapter 1, 31 through 2, 3. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had had been doing. And so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. May God add his blessing as we continue singing this morning. Oh, Lord, that we would quiet our hearts. We've already heard you speak through your word. We've already been reminded of the rest we can have in your plan. And even now, Lord, I pray you quiet our hearts. Settle us in to hear your voice. Lord, take away those things that get in our way. Allow us the peace that passes understanding, as your word says. Give us that this morning. Your word is good, your love is strong. May we find the solace we have come seeking this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. 
it didn't get mentioned, but I just want to make, make mention. Mark mentioned it, that there will be a memorial service for John Zaborowski. That's Vivian. Uh, Vivian's son passed away a week ago, over a week ago. Anyway, there will be a memorial service here at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, if you were uh, connected to the Zab family at all, uh, they'll all be here and uh, we'll celebrate his life. So, just want to make mention of that. I uh, want to make mention that the mission trip team, they made it to Nashville. I uh, talked to them uh, last night and a little bit this morning. Uh, we lost the keys yesterday morning to the van, but other than that, we had a flawless uh, departure. <laughs> and thankfully, someone saw them, and I uh, and we were able to, because we thought we'd shoot them up with the lawnmower, so we did a we did a uh, roundabout on Brentley's yard and see if we find them and. No, it was it was interesting. So he did. They got there and they were fine. And I, when I talked to them in the evening, they were like, "Yep, we're sitting down for steak." So they must have been all right. They must have got past the stress of the. Everybody was okay. So uh, we're gonna start a series, uh, six weeks of series, actually, talking about rest. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of scripture that speak into our life rest. And I don't know about you, but that looks like a pretty good spot. That's like me on the couch on Sunday afternoon. And lately, Saturday afternoon too, just to practice for Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Terrible part, there was no golf, but what did we watch? Oh, we watched, watched Starsky and Hutch yesterday with my eyes closed. That was pretty good. Close your eyes. Next thing you know, it's an hour and a half later. You know it's been a good day. I don't know about you, but I've been having some struggles finding that rest, finding God's rest in the busyness of this world. And I want to quit making excuses because I make lots of excuses. I always say, I'm busy, I'm busy, blah, blah, blah. I'm busy. I got this, I got blah, blah, blah. And I think God's like, dude, figure it out. Quit making excuses. I wonder, I wonder when the last time you stopped for one minute in pure quiet. Anybody do it this week? Anybody do it this morning? Mark did. Brian did. Anybody, anybody do it this week? We're going to try it. I need somebody. Glenn, do you have a counter on your phone? My phone's doing the, the Mevo, and I can't do two things. That's what I want to try this morning. I want to try just closing our eyes and being silent before the Lord for one minute. And I want to, are you ready? Might be a minute before he gets his phone on. It's not something we do often or near uh, enough time. Is to sit silently before the Lord. Maybe we will. We can start. Are you ready? Sorry, my phone's busy. Otherwise, I would have done it on mine. I had a plan, but I can't do the. I know <laughs> exactly. I'm impatient. Can you see? Can you hear my impatience? <laughs> One minute, please. All right, you ready? All right, let's. 
Thank you. So I, I have a question to ask you, and I want your honesty. How many of you's minds were screaming, let's go, you're wasting my time. That was a minute. That was 60 seconds. How many of us, I, and, and, I, and I, I readily admit, I, that was my, I'm feeling that, I'm feeling that intentional, like I need, that, that, that buzzer's going to have to go off pretty quick because I know it's been two minutes already, not one minute. I don't know about you, but I really struggle and have been struggling with this time thing and finding rest in the busyness of this world. I feel pretty much like that. I'm in the red zone. I'm in the red zone in, in life because I can't balance it and I can't manage it. And I'm not doing real well at it. And some days it feels like overwhelming. Uh, close your eyes and then you open them and it's like, holy smokes, it's morning already. How did we get to there? Uh, let's roll again. And so this, this series comes out of this, uh, a couple things. There were uh, some people ask, this actual scripture was asked uh, to be preached on. And then, and then there was another one about uh, finding God's rest. And it really, as I started to look at the, uh, the scriptures that were out there, there's so much uh, in scripture that we watch how some people do it well. God today does it well. And some people are awful at, uh, at, at finding God's rest in their life. And the scripture this morning is not really that big, is it? It's only four verses, but I want to give you a little bit of background uh, from what God is resting from. You may remember, if you haven't read it, I encourage you to read Genesis chapter 1, where, where God is creating the world. And in day one, he takes and separates the light from the dark. Anybody made a sun lately in your backyard or in your basement? No? Okay, just checking. So day two, he takes and separates the sky from the ground. Uh, he creates this, this difference, this difference. Uh, and then day three, he creates water and land, or he creates the land from the water. Day four, he creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. Sounds like a pretty cool idea, but I'm pretty sure none of us have had the ability to create the sun, the moon, and the stars. And then day five, he creates the fish and the birds. Poof! Creates them into existence. And then day six, he creates Adam and all the animals. And when he gets to the end of day six, he stops. And that's where we are, right? It says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had begun. He's a creative God. Are you guys creative? We have some creative people in this uh, in this church. Uh, these are just a few examples, right? Some of us like to do uh, wood projects um, where, where we love to create uh, things. And some of us are good at quilts. Um, not I am not. Now, some of us are good at making food. Uh, I, I'm good at eating it, uh, not as good at making it. Um, and some of us have these beautiful gardens that are just absolutely uh, breathtaking. 
And so all of us have these, uh, uh, these abilities to create things uh, from what we already have. But have you ever thought about creating things like, well, let me, I, I decided this year I was going to build this beautiful sunflower field for my wife. And so I took a bunch of sunflower seeds and I chucked them all over the ground and I think the birds ate half of them before they got planted. But that's okay because sunflowers came up. And I grew, so I got, a, I got a whole bunch, a whole field of these beautiful sunflowers. And my wife liked them, and now they're all dying, so they don't look as cool now, but they're still cool. I like them. Have you ever thought about a sunflower seed? Do you know how many sunflower seeds are made every year? Anybody have any idea? No, because no one in their right mind would know that. I tried to do the math. It's too big. So North Dakota, the number one sunflower seed growing state in the country, and that's, that's only in America, grows 1.34 billion pounds of sunflower seeds a year. That's only one state. There's a lot of states that grow. 1.34 billion pounds of sunflower seeds a year. How many sunflower seeds are in a pound? Anybody got that in their pocket? 6,400. 64, so that's the math for Zach. Where are you, Zach? <laughs> 1.34 billion times 6,400. It doesn't even compute on my, computer, on my phone. It gets all confused. That's how many seeds are grown in North Dakota. Let me ask you a more important question. When's the last time you created a seed? See, we grow those seeds from seeds we already have, right? So I have a whole field of seeds that if I mow them over, which I might, I don't know what I'm going to do yet, so they might grow a whole bunch more sunflowers. But when's the last time you created a seed? Anyone? Anyone build one in their backyard? Let me ask you this question. Let me make it a little bigger. When's the last time you created anything from nothing? Anyone? I'm going to challenge you. When's the last time you created something from nothing? What was it? Car parts? No. You know, science mutates. Only God can create. Don't forget that. We live in a world that wants you to believe that science can create something from nothing. I challenge you to find something that science has created something from nothing. There's one person who can create something from nothing, and that was God. Six days it took him to build this earth in which we live. To put the sky and the ground together, the sea and the land, the sun, the moon, the stars, and place them in a perfect orbit that allows us to uh, live each and every day. Not burn up, not freeze to death. You realize that? If, you ever, if you're into the science thing, it's so cool. I mean, the, the, the way that everything is tipped and perfectly placed so that we don't die, burn up, or freeze to death. 
God created all of that in six days. He created it from nothing. He created it. And then he said, ta-da, it's complete. It's complete. I have completed the project I started. I built this beautiful earth. And I created Adam, and I created this place for him to stay. Ta-da! It's done, right? It's done. I've created this beautiful place, and now it's done. So what can we learn from God about rest? This is the first thing I, I think that we miss, absolutely miss, not by a little bit, but by a ton. We're never done. We never get done. If we mow our lawn and our neighbor mows his lawn two days later, what's the problem? My lawn doesn't look as nice as his lawn because I mowed mine two days before he did. If I work 10 hours of overtime, but there's two more left to get, I somehow missed it. I don't have enough. It's never enough. God created the world and he said, I have finished this and I'm going to stop. We're going to talk in a minute about why he rested or and how he rested. But I want to challenge you. I don't want to get past the fact that it's never enough in our life. We try to fill it with something, and every time, and, and I do it, I'm guilty of if something cancels, I'm looking to put something else in that spot. I'm trying to find something to fill every moment of my waking day. Because if I sit on the couch, or I rest, or I find quiet time with God, somehow that feels lazy and what I'm really saying to myself is this I am not enough I am not enough unless I do the next thing unless I fill the next spot unless I create something to fill that void I am not enough And God says, you are enough. But I struggle with, am I enough? <laughs> and if I were the only person in this room who struggled with that, this would be an easy sermon. But I real I, the reality is, I know I'm not the only one who struggles with, am I enough? Can I put enough in my bank account to make me feel better? Can I put enough paint on my house to make it look good enough that I will not worry about it ever again? Can I mow my lawn so it doesn't look like a hay field and I'll look good in the neighbor's eyes? Can I Facebook enough that people actually think I have my act together? Here's the challenge. How much is enough? 
What are we teaching ourselves? What are we teaching our kids and our grandkids? When we keep driving home the idea that it's never enough. We have this insatiable desire for more. And this world is just more than ready to help us fill those voids. They give us a nice little phone that says, here, one click and you're on Amazon. You can go shopping. You don't even have to go to Walmart anymore. You don't have to go to the mall. You just, one click. You can order, buy, and have something shipped to your house. Ta-da! And when we get bored for like 10 seconds, we're like, oh, what did I forget to order? Let me see what I need to order today. I don't even have to get out of my chair. I might have to get out of my chair to get the box, but I could sit there for two days and wait for it. So I'll ask you the hard, challenging question that has been posed to me this week in this passage. When is enough enough? At what point have I had enough or do I have enough? When God says he'll supply all of my needs, The reality is my needs are about to this level and my wants are about to this level and there seems to be this big gap here. Yeah, it's heavy because it's heavy to me too. God finished the job and he stepped back and the scripture says then he rested. He rested. Do you th- does anybody, do you think God was tired? You think you'd be tired if you created the earth and the moon and the stars and the sun? You split the water and would you be tired? Would you be wore out? Would that wear you out? Is that enough work? I cut a couple trees on Friday. I was all sweaty, nasty, and wore out. You think God was wore out after he created the world? He did it in six days. Was he wore out? No, he was not wore out. I used to think that. I read this scripture the first time. I thought, he obviously was wore out. And, if, and, and my first thoughts of this sermon were, if God's tired and needs to take a rest, obviously we are tired. I heard a sermon that, was, that said that. But I don't believe he was tired. He wasn't tired. And I got a verse for that. But what he did was he did, he came to Sabbath. He, he decided it was time to stop and contemplate what he had created. He decided it was important for him to, to, to rest and see what he had done. How often are we going and taking the time to see what God has done for us in our life? All not near often enough. How often do we take the time to talk to our families and our friends and our, our church uh, community about how God is working in our life? How often do we stop just long enough to recognize? Because that's what's happening. When we don't stop and take account of where God is working in our life, we blow right by it. On to the next thing. 
had a great example yesterday. Mission teams all in the in the van at eight o'clock. Everybody who came prayed with them. Chris has got the truck full, van's full. Everybody jumps in. No keys to the van. No keys to the van. Oh, we got a backup key. Oh, that's good. Guess what? Backup key doesn't have a chip. So the backup key is literally lock and unlock the door. You can put it in the ignition and you can turn it, but it will not turn the, tra- the van over. Do you want to feel helpless? You got five people in a van, three people in a truck. It's all loaded, and we don't have a key to drive the thing out of the parking lot. Yeah. And people, some people had left. Some people had stayed. We went to the barn. We went to Brentley's house and Brentley's yard and the office. And we're an hour in. And I could, I almost, I'm like, Brentley, just call Renarec because I'm pretty sure you probably mowed it because he mowed the night before and it was in his pocket. He didn't have a clue where he left them. And you know, when you get to the end of the end and you're like, I got other things to do today and I can't believe they can't leave and I can't push the van all the way to Louisiana and, <laughs> and Ren- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Renarec is not open and you're just to the end of your end, right? And I went into the office and I sat down and, and I, did, I was like, okay, God, <laughs> I got no other plan, so I'm going to pray. So backwards, so backwards. And as I'm sitting there in the office, Chris walks in and he's like, I know they were here, but they're not there now. And he's like, I don't think anybody would steal them, do you? I'm like, I don't think anybody would steal the keys. I mean, even a practical joke, it's a terrible practical joke. We're now an hour and 10 minutes in. We don't have stupid keys. Can't pick on Brentley because I don't want him to freak out. I want him to have a good time. I just want to, ah, you know. And my head's about ready to explode. I sit there and pray, and then God puts on my heart. This, This is the truth. Brian and Amy were here last night. And they were not that I didn't think they stole it. I just want to be clear. <laughs> I don't think they stole the keys. But I'm like, they were here. Maybe, just maybe, they found them somewhere and set them somewhere. I'm, I have no other ideas. I mean, it's like, we're going to Renarec to get another key and pay for the old one. I, I don't know. So I call Brian. He's like, oh. I said, hey, crazy question. You haven't seen any keys laying around? Oh, yeah, you mean the keys that are in the gym? Yeah, they're on a they're on a roller cart. Um, Amy saw them, and I told her just leave them there because obviously someone put them there. They'll come back and get them. And but he said, let me ask Amy. I'm like, I gotta go. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> True story. <laughs> Thankfully, he he still liked me. He talked to me yesterday, so I think we're all right. Because I'm like, I cannot believe those keys are sitting in the gym and no one saw them. I, I'm like, they can't still be there. It's got to be a, they run out. I go out to the gym. They're, the, they're exactly where Brian said they were. They're on a cart on the top, right next to the bathroom. Put them in my pocket, and I thought, ha ha, I'm going to go back and make sure the van works. Because <laughs> I am not, I, I'm not, I, I don't even, I walk right past people who are looking, and I'm like, I'm going to the van. And when I get to the van, I'm going to put it in the key ignition, I'm going to turn it on, and when it turns on, or if it turns on, I'll know I have the right keys, because and then I'm going to lay on the horn. 
People come running from everywhere. Where did you find them? <laughs> I, I didn't. Brian found them. He knew where they were. <sighs> I, I sure do not like those tests or reminders to just stop. To stop and give God a chance to work. It seems so much easier to get my shoes all wet and dirty and green walking through Brentley's yard because I thought, of course, I'll find it a whole lot easier than God will find it, right? No, I didn't say that because why would I say that? That would be ridiculous. And yet I, I live it. I acted it out. And so when I couldn't help but just be reminded that God was continuing to work in the midst of that. Mind you, I, I had flashbacks from the last mission trip when the van never made it here. True story. If you want to ask, you can ask Donnie or any of those guys that went with us. The van never made it. So I was having flashbacks. I'm like, I wonder if they're going to get a flat before they drive out of the driveway. What's going to happen today? Polly was right. The scriptures say, uh, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, and he will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. We get tired. We get wore out. God stops long enough in this story, in this passage, to, to take stock in what he did. And, and there's something to be learned for us. We need to stop and take stock in the fact that God is working in our life. We're so afraid we're going to lose three minutes <laughs> to find those stupid keys that we don't want to take the time to pray. When the reality is, if I'd have prayed at 8.05, not 9.05, probably would have had the keys by 10 after. And so we do that. We get, we get so in, in our own selves that we forget that God is still in control, that he is still working in our life. I have no clue why that, that picture is up. So if it's for somebody, great. I can't remember now. I lost that one. Maybe, uh, you know what I was, I was thinking about? I was asking myself this morning, how, how do we recharge our brain? Couldn't help but think of this, this scripture. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm convinced that the busier things get, the slower we need to go. Mark and I are reading a book about hurry. <laughs> and the, the whole premise of the book is that hurry is really the opposite of uh, being spiritually minded in any way, shape, or form. They can't be together. Finally, God says, I'm going to bless the seventh day and make it holy. Because, and he rested from all the work he had created. He blessed it and made it holy. Now, 
we live in a different world than we used to live. I used to, when we used to know people who would homeschool and they would not go out on Sunday. And we've made it a point to come to church on Sunday. And we call that our Sabbath. But I'm going to ask you, when do you have your Sabbath? When do you stop and recognize God is working in your life? And it's holy because he's working. When do you take time to allow him to refresh you and remind you? Scripture tells us, come all... I love this picture. I just think it's a really cool picture because it's, it's, it's not a person, but it, it just is a cool picture. The scripture in Matthew eleven twenty eight says, come all who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. As I've studied and as I continue to study for this series, I encourage you to look in your daily devotions for the word rest or wait, as Mark was talking, and look for those, those reminders of how we should do that via Scripture. I'm convinced that if we want to restore our soul, it's not what we do. It's not what I do to make that work. It's what God does in my life. And if I don't stop long enough to let him work in my life, how can I expect him to do anything? Do not conform to the patterns of this world. I'm stuck in the patterns of this world. Church, we need to live counterculturally. Our lives shouldn't look the same as the world, except we put a little Christian moniker on the beginning of it. If we're going to do that, we can only expect what the world offers. There's only one way to be transformed. To renew our mind. Jesus says, come to me all who are weak and heavy burdened. I know there's weak and heavy burden in this sanctuary this morning. There are people who are all but ready to give up. Let someone tell me this last week. I can't wait for the rapture because I'm tired of living this life. I get it. But if the rapture doesn't come for another 30 years, it's a long time to live in misery. Especially when Scripture tells us we don't have to live like the world lives. We have freedom. Jesus is that freedom. But we have to come and get it. We have to come to him. Even in our our weariness and our burdens. We have to call on him to give us rest. And I'm convinced that it's not one time that we don't just say, hey, I need rest today, God. And it solves the rest. No, because you know what? I'm... I'm shallow and frail 
and I struggle, and so I probably need to come back to that table pretty often. Let me challenge you for the next six weeks as we talk about rest. Let me challenge you to get in your prayer closet and be honest with God. And I promise you this will happen. There will be tears. You're probably going to need a Kleenex. Because if you get honest with God, He is going to break those pieces in your life. He's going to break away the things that you don't need. He's going to take away the things that weigh you down. But he promises you that he will give you rest. And so my encouragement for you is, even in myself as well, to find that rest in the arms of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, you are good to us. You call upon us to follow you. Lord, I pray this morning for anyone who doesn't have a relationship with you, who doesn't understand who you are. And Lord, for those who understand and know and have a relationship and have been uh, walking that walk, Lord, help us. Help us to find the rest that you offer. Lord, as we look at other passages in the weeks to come, we will recognize those who did it well, those who struggled to find the rest. Lord, open our hearts and our eyes that we would see you. In your name we pray. Amen.